0: So how many of you feel like you just tuned into an episode of Shark Tank? <laughs> That's how I feel right now. I love that show. Hey, um, a year ago, my wife and I were evaluating our, our car situation and we were trying to figure out what we were gonna do because it just seemed like the, the vehicle that we had, which was kind of a, a crossover type SUV vehicle, was just not working for our family anymore. We needed to make some changes there. And so we actually broke down and we did the unthinkable we went out and bought a minivan and that was a big big step for us that was something we both had committed to never do and so going back on our word like that was was, it was difficult it was tough Uh, but here's the thing it wasn't a new minivan it was a used minivan but it was it was new to us and it came with a lot of gadgets and features that we had never had before which were pretty cool Like this minivan has Bluetooth built into the stereo system. So you can hop in the car and your phone automatically connects to it and it'll start playing your podcasts or your music or whatever you have there. That's pretty amazing. I like having Bluetooth in the car, that is awesome. And it's also got this thing where when you're backing up, it'll put on a screen at the front of the vehicle, it'll show you a a camera view of what you're about to hit. It's really cool. You can see it right before, and it's got the little lines that warn you and everything. Isn't that awesome? Do your cars have that? Maybe you've had that for a while, but we just got this. And it's also got this thing where you can click a button on the remote, and the side door's open so the kids can just hop right in. Man, that is awesome. And I found myself actually looking forward to the times where I would get to drive the minivan. And I tell you what, I never thought I would say this, but I love that minivan. I really do, it is so cool. It's actually kind of fun to drive and it's got the cool gadgets and all that stuff, and well, here's the problem with all that. Every time I drive the minivan, which isn't all that often, I find myself way less satisfied with what I usually drive because I usually drive a 12 year old pickup truck that's got about 100,000 miles on it and it shows it's got some wear and tear here and there. Now it's still a very nice vehicle, don't get me wrong, but it—you know it's over a decade old and it's got some bumps and scratches, some cracks, some things are broken inside, the interior doesn't look as good as it used to and it doesn't have Bluetooth. <laughs> so when I listen to my podcasts or music, I I I have an adapter, but it creates this high-pitched whiny noise, all the while. You can't listen to stuff with that going on. I mean, this is awful. And so I actually put a separate Bluetooth speaker in my truck so that I can listen to stuff while I'm in there, because I can't listen to the sound system anymore. It doesn't have a backup camera. So when I back up, I have to rely on these three little dots in the back seat like a barbarian to see if I'm gonna hit something. It doesn't have all the cool bells and whistles and gadgets that our new minivan has. And so it's just not enough anymore, guys. I'm telling you, I want better. I want newer. I want more. And more costs money, right? It costs money to get those types of things. And, and that's the downside of this is deep down inside of me, there's a part of me that just really, really likes new stuff and cool stuff and money stuff, and having more, and buying something new. I enjoy that kind of stuff. And I want to clear something up here, because this is not going to be a don't buy stuff kind of message. This isn't going to be a, I'm going to make you feel guilty for every piece of new clothing you bought in the last year, because you could have helped someone. That's not what this message is about. God wants us to enjoy the world that he has created. There's stuff that he's created, and he makes that clear. We'll get into that in a little bit. This is not about you can't have nice things or anything like that. That's not the problem. It's the loving of those things and the money that gets us those things or experiences that gets us into trouble. It is so easy to make money the object of our affection, to make that our number one priority. And it can take precedence over church and over our family and over God. That's what we do with money so often. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you is the best part of your day when you come home and you see lying on your porch a package that says Amazon? And you don't even remember what you bought. So now it's even better. Now it's basically a present that former you bought for future you. And you get to open it up, oh thank you. I forgot I wanted this but now I know I really did and here it is. Merry Christmas to me. We love getting stuff, and we love having more money so that we can get more stuff. I mean, after all, isn't that why you went to school? So that you could learn more, so that someone would pay you for what you know, so that you can make more money, so that you could get more stuff. That's why we do it. It's why at your job you try to do a good job, hopefully. Because you want to get noticed so you can get a promotion, because that comes with more money, so you can get more stuff. And maybe you're a spouse that doesn't work, so you encourage your spouse who does work to work hard so that you can get more stuff. This is what we do. It's why credit cards exist. Because if you don't have enough money, you still need to get more stuff. And so I don't have the money for it yet, but I can just charge it and put it on there. I can get, I can get something more for it. Or it's why places like Kickstarter and Indiegogo will let you go on there and buy stuff that doesn't exist yet. And you can pay for it with a credit card for money that doesn't exist yet. So you can buy stuff that doesn't exist with money that doesn't exist, and if enough people do that together, they'll make the stuff and send it to you, and then you get to pay off the bill. Man, we love stuff, we love money, we love getting more things. We're very materialistic in our culture. It'd be super easy to think that this was new, right? Like, this is all the internet's fault. But honestly, this has been the case since the world had people to begin with. This is how we are. In fact, the very first murder that was ever committed, Cain versus Abel, do you remember why that happened? Well, it's because you know, God favored Abel more than Cain. Why did God favor Abel more than Cain? It's because Abel gave the best of his stuff to God, and Cain was greedy. He wanted to keep the best of his stuff. It's where it all came from. It was the materialism of Cain that drove this jealousy because God said, hey, Abel's giving me the best of his stuff. He really honors me and Cain's keeping the best of his stuff. He's greedy. He wants to keep it for himself. It was Cain's materialism that drove that right there from the very beginning. It is so easy to make money our number one thing. Today we're starting a series called The Almighty Dollar. And we're gonna talk about what God's word has to say about money and how we handle our money and what we do with that, how we use that wisely. And I know that some people get really squeamish when we talk about money in church. Maybe you've been in a church that has done this poorly in the past and I get that, but the truth is the Bible has an awful lot to say about money. There are, according to the people that count these things, which I don't know who takes the time to count these things, but in the Bible there are about 500 verses on prayer. And there's a little less than that about faith. And there's over 2,300 verses on money or possessions and how we manage those. The Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus told 38 parables, 16 of them were about money and possessions and how we use those wisely, 16 of them. Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we're gonna look at in a little bit later today, has a big section right in the middle of it about money and how we use money. One of the jobs of the early apostles was to actually help people use their resources wisely and objectively to help other people. The people would sell their possessions, give the money to the apostles, and the apostles would distribute to those who had need objectively. It's what our benevolence ministry does today, all about money. The apostle Paul, when he wrote letters to the various churches, he talked about money, the Bible has a lot to say about money, and so we need to talk about that. But one of the reasons that I think people do get a little concerned when they hear money brought up in the church context, and especially from the stage like this, is because they've been in a church before that has handled money the wrong way or has talked about money the wrong way. See, some churches will push the idea that you just need to give and give and give, and every week it's more about giving, and let's show up at your house and make sure that you pledge to give, and let's do all this stuff because we need more money for the church. Some of you may have experienced that at another church in the past. Some churches will tell you that if you give money to the church and then you have enough faith, whatever it is you want is gonna happen for you. It's called seed money. You know the biblical principle of you sow a seed and you reap a harvest? Well, they take that and say, if you sow the seed of money into our church, you're gonna reap a harvest of whatever new Corvette you want. And you can get what you want by giving money to the church. Some churches will teach you that God's ultimate goal for you in this world is for you to be healthy and wealthy. And so the gospel message is not just about freedom from sin and a right relationship with God that restores you to him so you can spend eternity with him. No, it's also about making sure that you are healthy and wealthy here on this earth. Now, the apostle Paul never heard that version of the gospel. The early disciples never heard that version of the gospel because if that was the early version of the gospel, then they should have abandoned it after about a year because that is not how life worked out for them. They did not all have health and wealth all the time. They had sickness and injury and hardships and persecution and trials and poverty, a lot of it, martyrdom. So the health and wealth idea, and the idea that you should be pushed for money to give to the church all the time, and the idea if you give money to the church, you're gonna get something that you want out of it, none of that stuff comes from the Bible. So what do we learn from the Bible about money and how we're supposed to use it? What are some biblical principles that we can glean for how we approach and use money? That's what we're gonna talk about this whole series. Today is the foundation. So you can almost think of this as sort of one long message, one four-week message, and we're splitting it up into four different chunks. And today is like the introduction, the core principles. In fact, if you know someone that's gonna come here next week or the week after, tell them to go back and watch this message first so they'll get the foundation for what we're gonna talk about for the next few weeks. I'm gonna pray now to launch us into this series. And as I do this, I just want you to think of a simple question, which is this, am I using money right now the way God wants me to? Am I using money and resources right now the way God wants me to? And maybe as I am praying, you can just pray to God where you're at right now and say, God, would you teach me something? Would you teach me if there is some way that you want me to approach money differently during this series? And just open your heart to allow him to work. Let's pray to kick things off. God it's an exciting thing to launch into a new series and this topic is one that can be really challenging for us. It's certainly challenging for me. There are always ways that we can work to improve how we're managing our money wisely and we know that you care about that. You've actually written us a great deal about money and we're gonna unpack some of that today and begin to understand that more. Lord, I pray that as we do this, you would reveal to all of us, and especially me, if there are areas in my life, Lord, that you want me to change how I am approaching and managing money. It's all on loan from you anyway. You've given us these resources. We can't take them with us. So help us to be wise stewards of them, God. Help us to use these faithfully in a way that serves you. And that is so difficult, God, with so many distractions around us, so many things that, that pull on us for our attention and our time and our money in different areas. So God, I pray that you would help us to learn a new paradigm today and for the next few weeks that would set us up for a lifetime of managing money the way you want us to. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you got your Bibles with you, open them to Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching a group of his followers. There's a crowd gathered around, but they can't really hear most of what he's saying at this point. Later on, he'll stand up and say something for all of them to hear. But right now, he's mostly teaching his followers. And he's going to give them some instructions about how to handle resources and wealth and what to do with that. And we're just going to kind of use this as a launching pad today. So if you're in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 19. Verse 19. You can follow along at efree.org slash Bible if you want to there. It'd be great for you to follow along with this in your own Bible or on your own device. Verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now maybe you noticed as we read through that that Jesus is speaking in sets of contrasting ideas. He talks about treasure on earth versus treasure in heaven. He talks about an unhealthy eye that fills the body with darkness that keeps out the light and a healthy eye that lets light in fills the body with light. That's an analogy that we'll get into later. He talks about serving money versus serving God, and he sets up these two opposing ideas because he wants us to understand that God's economy is not the same as man's economy. God's economy is different than man's economy. Different priorities, it works in different ways, but here's the thing, they are connected. They are related. There is a bit of an exchange that happens here between man's economy and our economy, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Our culture, worships the almighty dollar. But the almighty God has different priorities for us on how we operate in man's economy and God's economy. And so I'm gonna suggest something to you based on Jesus' teaching that may seem a little bit radical, but then we're gonna kind of unpack it as we go. And here's what I wanna suggest to you. You can use your money to guide your heart. You can use your money to guide your heart. See, God doesn't want you to ignore money. He doesn't want you to use it foolishly. He doesn't want you to see money as evil or really a problem per se. God wants you to see money as a tool. It's a tool that can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It is amoral in itself. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. God wants you to see money as a tool, and so often it's our love of money that has a sway over us, even though we don't necessarily realize it at the time. Often it's kind of hidden, invisible, in the back, and we don't get it, and I pray that God would reveal to us those things in our lives where where the love of money or the love of stuff, the love of what money gets us, has a sway over us in our lives. So let's go back and unpack this passage together and see what Jesus has for us. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, thieves break in and steal. All of these are signs of a temporary thing. This stuff breaks down. What he's saying is that investing in earthly treasure is not a good long-term investment. See, from Jesus' perspective, he's he's looking at this outside of time, he sees the whole spectrum here, and he goes, man, for this little vapor that is your life right now, it's really foolish to invest in that stuff. It's kinda like investing in a company that makes fax machines. If you wanna go out today and invest in a company that all they do is make fax machines, then I've got a bridge I'd like to sell you to. It's just not a very good idea, and I'm sorry if you run a company that makes fax machines, my guess is that no one here does exclusively that, but we have the benefit of hindsight now where we can look back and say, I don't think it's a good idea right now today to invest in something that uses facsimile to transfer graphics. Great technology at the time, we've got other technologies now that are better. We now know that's probably not where we want to invest our money right now. Jesus is looking back from the perspective of hindsight, having been in heaven, having seen the glories and the riches that God has to provide, and he's coming back to us mortals here on earth and saying, why on earth? earth would you invest in this this is fleeting this is going to fall apart this is going to be destroyed by moths or by rust or by thieves there's all sorts of things that can happen and ultimately you can't take this with you and if you had only a, a glimpse of what awaits you in heaven you wouldn't care about any of this stuff you wouldn't love any of this stuff you don't need to store up treasure here because it pales in comparison to what is waiting for you there. There was a little boy who got his hand stuck in a really expensive old Chinese vase, and he couldn't get it out. So he's pulling on this vase, trying to get his hand out. Eventually, it started to hurt, so he started to cry. His parents came over, and they tried to pull the hand out, and they couldn't get the hand out of the vase, and he starts screaming. And the neighbors came over, and they tried to pull the hand out of the vase. They put some butter on there to see if it would slide out, and then they upgraded to oil, and they couldn't get the hand to come out. And so finally, after about an hour of this, they decided there's only one thing left to do. We're gonna have to destroy this expensive, rare Chinese vase. And as the pieces of this vase were laying on the ground, they finally realized why they couldn't pull the boy's hand out. See, his hand was clenched in the shape of a fist, which was grabbing a single penny that he had seen in the bottom of the vase, and he would not let go. That is what so many of us are like. When we grasp tightly onto earthly treasures, and we will, not let go and our heart gets wrapped up around these things and we think this is what really matters and finally I've made it and finally I've got this until of course I want the next thing and the better thing and our, our affections get wrapped up into these earthly, earthly treasures and Jesus is trying to tell us you guys this is like a penny you, you're grasping this so tightly that you don't realize the incredible treasure that you're missing out on because of your affection for this I wanna say again, this, this is not meant to communicate to you that you can't have nice things or new things or buy things. It's not a guilt trippy message. That's not what this is about. That's not the message of the Bible. There are times when God tells people, go out and buy really nice food. And have a party and celebrate and enjoy life, okay? That's, that's not the message that God gives us in the Bible. The problem here is the love. The problem here is the affection. The problem here is that we get wrapped up around these earthly possessions and we value them so much that we start to treasure the creation instead of the creator. That's the problem. We worship the creation instead of the creator. So what's the alternative? Well, Jesus tells us in the next verse, he says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You know, kings and rulers have always tried to take their treasure with them to the afterlife, right? They've always tried to come up with these strategies and schemes and no one's ever able to come back and say, yeah, this worked or this didn't work. But there's always these burial tombs or rituals or things like that where they try to gather up the best of their wealth and different things or they'll even have other people killed with them because they think that somehow they're gonna be able to take that stuff with them to the afterlife do you know where all that stuff that was buried with them many many years ago where all that stuff is today well it's either still buried with them or it's rotted in decayed or it's in a museum somewhere in other words they didn't get to take it with them people are constantly trying to to figure out how they can do that for a long time but it never works so what does it mean to store up treasure in heaven what does Jesus mean by that? How do I actually do that? Is there some court sort of exchange that I can go to where I could, I'd like to convert $100 into heavenly rewards? Can we store up treasure in heaven? How does that work? I'm gonna give you one example because it especially pertains to money. There are more examples of this, but I wanna give you one example. Jesus is talking to a young man who is incredibly wealthy. He's got all sorts of resources and possessions and man, does he love it. He just loves his stuff. And he wants to know how to be a follower of Jesus. And here's what Jesus tells him. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. You will have treasure in heaven. There are other ways that Jesus talks about getting a reward in heaven. If you are mocked or persecuted for your faith and yet you stand strong in him, Jesus says that's one way to store up treasure in heaven. If you find yourself persecuted by enemies and yet you love them back, that's another way to store up treasure in heaven by loving your enemies. If you have a genuine spiritual life that isn't just for show but is a a true authentic walking with God inside, Jesus says that is one way to have a reward in heaven. But today we're talking about money and here Jesus says, hey, you have to love me more than you love your money and your things. You have to be willing to sacrifice those things. And that's one way that you can store up treasure in heaven is by saying, Jesus matters more to me than my stuff. And so to prove that I'm gonna sell my stuff, give the money to the poor, to prove I am not in love with money. That is not what my mind and heart is wrapped around right now, because I'm following Jesus. Does that mean everyone has to do this, sell everything they have? No, that was this man's problem. And so Jesus said, if you want to prove this, You need to sacrifice what you love so much, what you love more than God and more than me, and then you will store up treasure in heaven. And the rich man couldn't do it. He loved his possessions so much. When Paul was instructing Timothy on how to teach people in Ephesus, people in Ephesus, some of them had a lot of resources, and Paul said, tell them to use their money to do good they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. He's talking here, in essence, about converting earthly treasure into heavenly treasure. Do good, help others, sacrifice personally. Don't use it all on yourself. Be generous, be giving then you will store up treasure in heaven. So how do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, one way is this. Personal sacrifice for eternal purpose equals heavenly reward. Personal sacrifice for eternal purpose equals heavenly reward. The rich man that spoke with Jesus had so many things, he was not willing to sacrifice them. So he couldn't get the heavenly reward. But the early believers who followed Jesus, this was a way of life for them. This is what they did. They sacrificed all the time to make sure that other people were helped who had need. Acts tells us about this. Luke says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. It didn't belong to them. In their minds, it belonged to God. God had given it on loan to them. So they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. That is how we are supposed to treat our resources. Not as something that we own and hold too tightly and cling to, as much as I want to, but as something that, we, that is, God has blessed us with so that we can share and be a blessing and help those who are in need. Money is not something that is inherently good or bad, it is a tool that we can use for good or bad. So you should never judge another believer just because they have more money than you. That's easy to do as well, or to look down on someone because they have less money than you. God blesses us differently, and we make different choices in life that have different outcomes along the way as well, and God allows us to experience different things, and some of those things make us go broke. And some of those things give us lots of resources. And we say, wow, well, God bless me. You should never look down on someone else because they have a different financial situation from you. That would be like a carpenter looking down on another carpenter because they have more tools. Money is not inherently evil. It's a tool that can be used for good or it can be used for bad. The issue is not how much money or how many positions you have. The issue is, are you using those in the way that God wants you to? Are you using them wisely? And so that's why Jesus says in verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now when we talk about this verse, oftentimes we do it in the more negative sense. Like be careful where you put your treasure because that's where your heart is going to follow. And that's very true. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. But if you flip that around, there is a great principle that we can get from this as well that really helps us. And that is what I mentioned earlier. You can use your treasure, your money, to guide your heart. That's what Jesus is saying here. Your treasure will guide your heart. See, we often think that whatever we love, that's where we're going to put our money into. So I love this thing, so I'm naturally gonna put a lot of money into that. And sometimes it works that way, but the reverse works too. Whatever you put a lot of money into, that's the thing you're gonna love. Have you ever bought a new car? Or a new to you car? How much did you love that car right after you bought it? Were you careful about who drove it? Were you careful about how close you got to other cars in the parking lot? Were you careful about who you allowed to eat french fries in the back seat while you were driving your car? That's my car, man. I just put a lot of treasure in that car. And so now I treasure that car. Even if it is a 10-year-old Toyota Camry, I treasure that car. Have you ever rented a car? Did you care about that rental car nearly as much as you care about that car that you bought? Now that rental car might be worth five times what your car is, but you care about your car a whole lot more than that rental car. People don't treat rental cars very well. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart's gonna follow. That's what you're going to care about. Maybe you care a lot about the stock market. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't care at all how the stock market does, but you will once you put some money into it. Then all of a sudden, you really do care. Is it doing well today? Is it doing poorly? How's the trends? How, how are we doing here? I really don't want this whole thing to collapse because i got some money invested there. Your, treasure will fo- your heart will follow your treasure, and your treasure can guide your heart, and that's the great thing about this. You can use this as a tool in your life to guide where your heart goes. This is the side of this that is so often missed when we teach about this passage. It's usually taught as a warning. It should be taught as an instructive principle. This is great news. You wanna care more about something that matters? Put your money into it because your heart will follow your treasure. You wanna care more about something like human trafficking. You look at this, you see this stuff on the news, you realize that there are some horrible things happening all around the world and in our community with human trafficking and people who are subject to terrible things and you care about that, but you don't really care enough to do anything. Put some money into an organization that's doing great things in that area and you'll start caring a whole lot more and maybe start volunteering with them. Or maybe you you wanna care more about the people who are struggling in poverty And they're in this cycle where they can't get out of it, and it just keeps them in there, and they need something to help them break out of that cycle. Go find a great, reputable organization that helps people who are struggling in poverty break out of that cycle, an organization that does not create paternalistic relationships or entitlement, is not just a handout, but is a hand up and truly helps them lift them out of that cycle of poverty, and go put money into it. Put your money into it and go to the donors' meetings and go get involved with them and you are going to find that you care so much more about that, something that really, truly matters. You wanna care more about the church, your church. Invest money into it, invest resources into it and you will care how it goes and how it's reaching and what part you are playing in making sure that it is operating effectively and that you are involved and that you are serving there. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Use that as a tool to guide your heart. Next week, we're gonna learn from one of our executive pastors. Kevin is gonna talk about generosity and being generous people and being giving. He's gonna talk a little bit about how that giving works here. And you'll see that we are very, very careful with how we utilize funds here to make sure that we're always doing things the most efficient and effective way possible. We're always finding ways to cut costs and improve what we're doing. We can do this better and it'll save us a bunch of money. That's what we're doing all the time. If you wanna care about that stuff, if you wanna get into that stuff, then you've gotta invest in it. If you wanna care more about your church or whatever ministry or activity you wanna get involved in, wherever you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. So use that as a tool. Jesus uses this analogy in the next couple verses of an eye. And he's using this to describe something else about money to us. We're not going to go into great detail here, but he says that your money is like an eye that lets light into your body. If your eyes are healthy, you can see, and your body is filled with light. If your eyes are unhealthy, it doesn't let light in. Your body is filled with darkness. What does he mean by that? If your financial eyes are unhealthy, that's going to impact the rest of your life. That's going to affect everything else. If your financial eyes, they're like the gatekeeper to your focus, to the focus of your life. He's saying this is a small thing that has a big impact. Be careful where you put your treasure because it's like the eyes, it controls what happens to the rest of your life, to the rest of your body, which is often a symbol of life in, in the biblical text. So be careful where you use your money. And then he says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't have it both ways. There is no third option. You will either be serving God or you will be serving money. There's no option C. That's just how it works. But there's a fundamental problem with how we tend to approach money that makes it incredibly difficult to follow what Jesus is saying here. Because the whole way we orient our lives around money keeps us from truly serving God oftentimes, and we just by default end up serving our materialistic desires for money and more things. There's a simple problem with the way we prioritize how we use money that makes it incredibly challenging for us to break out of that mold and actually do the things we're talking about. Because you may be sitting there and thinking, yeah, I want to do that. I want to make sure I put my money in the right places. But I guarantee you, when you get to the end of next month and you're going, eh, there's not much left. Not sure what I can actually do with this. Well, I'll give five bucks, you know. It's hard to do because of how we approach money. So let's talk about that. The typical person in this country, and probably around the world, approaches money this way. First, we spend what we have on the things that we need or want. So there's our house payment, our car payment, our phone bill, our internet bill, our TV bill, um, the other stuff that we want, clothes and and food, whatever hobbies that we're into, whatever we want to maintain our lifestyle. That's kind of the first thing. We wanna make sure we get those things taken care of. And then after we purchase those things, if there's something left, and for some of us there is some, for some of us there isn't some, then we might save something. Maybe put something away for retirement or something like that. And then after that, if there's anything left, after all all that stuff is taken care of, then maybe we will give a little something. So the typical way that we approach our money, we're talking priorities here, not order priorities, is our first priority is, what do I want or need? Even if it's subconscious. Our second priority is, maybe I should save something for the future. And our third priority is being generous, giving something away, which many, many people give nothing at all to anybody. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about all over the place, giving anywhere. Many of us just give nothing. It's an afterthought. It's a side thing. It's not the first priority for us. Jesus says that generosity is one key storing up treasure in heaven that's not my words that's the words of Jesus that's the words of Paul be generous give money away that should be a first priority for us and if that should be a first priority for us and if our goal is not to cling tightly to earthly treasure but to actually first see how we can be generous with it and giving away if that's the kind of mindset that God has for us then we really need to flip this whole thing around We shouldn't be spending and then saving and then giving. Instead, we should give as a first priority. We should determine what we want to set aside to make sure this is the part. In the Old Testament, it was called the first fruits. It was the best, the first and the best. This is what we're going to give. And we're going to choose a percentage or a certain amount or whatever that is. That's the first thing we're going to set aside. And then we're going to make sure that our other priorities come after that one. That's the first thing we're going to do. And the next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna save. The Bible talks about that too. We're gonna go into that in a couple of weeks. How can we save wisely to make sure that we are prepared for the future? Not that we're putting our hope in that, not that that's where all our trust is, but it is a wise, biblical thing to do. And after those two things are taken care of, we are going to design our lifestyle based on what is left. You see the difference that that flip makes? In the first model, the way most people do it, we're going to design our giving based on what is left. And that's often very little. In the second mindset, we're going to design our lifestyle around what is left. That is a much more biblical, God-honoring way to do this. And so that might mean cutting back on some things. We might make a giving priority and then a saving priority and then say, you know what? This means we can't afford the level of house we wanted to get. Or this means we can't go get the new car. We're going to have to get a few years old car. Or this means maybe we're going to cut back on our cell phone package or our internet package or, or some of the going out that we do or, or some of the movies that we see or whatever it is. This might mean cutting back a little bit. It certainly means living within our means so that we're not spending more money than we have because we've already prioritized giving and saving. And then we are going to choose intentionally to live based on what is left. We're going to design our lifestyle around what we have. And we'll get into that a lot more over the next three weeks. Because next week we're going to talk about give. That's actually the title for next week's message, give. And the week after that we're going to talk about save. And the week after that we're going to talk about spend. And see, what does the Bible have to say about these three things and the priorities that we should have for them? What would happen if every single one of us decided to orient ourselves this way toward money and resources. If our first thought, our first priority was how can I give? How can I bless? How can I help? And then our second thought was how can I prepare wisely and not just spend lavishly now but make sure I'm setting things aside not just to make sure that I'm taken care of but to make sure that I can even help other people who may encounter a problem or, or along the way. And I can be a blessing to them because I know I've got some, some stuff stored up here that's able to help with that. And then the last thing we do is we spend money based on what is left and available to us, and we design our lifestyle around that. See, I believe that if more people did this, we would have a lot more satisfied and content people in the world. It's really easy to get our heart wrapped up around our money and our things when all we're ever thinking about is our money and our things, but if you're using your money to guide your heart, that means that your money is guiding your heart into caring about something other than yourself. And so now you're giving to help someone who has an issue or a problem or more needs than you, or you're giving to your church who is helping those people when those things need to remain anonymous and you don't even know what they are, but you know that you are contributing, you are helping, and so you're starting to care about something that's other than yourself. And instead of worrying so much about what's going to happen with your money and your resources, you start to find fulfillment and contentment in the fact that you are following God's instructions to be generous and give and care for others. That is the priority that God has for us. What would happen in our church, in our community, if everybody who's listening to this would just say, I'm gonna live my life that way. I know a lot of us do. I'm gonna live my life that way where I'm looking for opportunities to bless and care for other people. I know a lot of you do that. If every single one of us did that, what would Jesus do in our hearts and in our spiritual growth here? What would he do in our community if we were all leveraging our resources to help our neighbors and help people around us so that we could point them back to Jesus? Why are you doing this? Because Jesus did something so much better for me. And he has told me that I should do this for others, that I should use my resources and my money wisely. That's what I care about. I think God would do something incredible if we all did this. Are we serving the almighty God or the almighty dollar? There's one last thing I need to share before I close. I've talked a lot about storing up treasure in heaven today, and that's risky, because it's possible that someone is out there listening to this and thinking, aha, that's the way. That's how I get there. That's how I get rewarded in heaven. I've got to make sure I give enough. I've got to, that is not it at all. There is only one way to heaven and that is by trusting in Jesus Christ. There's no good work you can do. There's no amount of money you can give that can ever make up for the sin in your life. All of us have it, every single one of us. There's only one thing that takes that away and money can't buy it. It's the death of Jesus Christ who paid for our sins so that we could be freed from that, healed and forgiven by God so that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. What we're talking about today is not the way to get there, It's how God wants us to live after he's already redeemed us and restored us and we've trusted in him. So here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you're realizing that I do not have that trust in Jesus that that he's talking about up there and you would like to talk to someone about that and learn more, you probably have questions. You need someone to answer those questions and talk with you and show you from the Bible who this Jesus is and why it's so important to follow him. We're gonna have people up here after our closing song And they would love to talk with you about Jesus and how he can radically change your life. All of this stuff comes after that. And I tell you, it is a life worth living. And it is so fulfilling and rewarding to live life God's way after you trust in him and he begins to transform your heart. If there's anything else you need prayer with today, please, after our closing song, come up here, pray with somebody. We'll be up here waiting for you, happy and eager to pray with you and ask for God to work in your life. Let's all bow our heads in prayer together. Jesus, I wanna thank you for teaching us about money. It seems a little strange to me because it doesn't seem like a spiritual topic and yet if I go by mere percentages in the Bible, clearly it's a very spiritual topic. Money, wealth, resources, possessions, this is stuff that you have talked about quite a bit. You've given us a lot of great instructions, and we're gonna look at those in more detail over the next few weeks. So God, my prayer today is that you would teach us, help us to identify those closets where we've hidden money or resources and the love of those things, and help us to open that up, to see where you want us to make a change in how we're living our life, how we're investing, how we're using money as a tool. Lord, give us wisdom to know how to pull back from the earthly treasure and instead to store up treasure in heaven, whether it's through our resources or through some other personal sacrifice, helping people staying strong in our faith, representing you well with authenticity. Help us, Lord, to invest in the right things, to invest in eternal things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.